Hello and welcome to the 905er podcast and our uh, weekly Thursday 905 roundup, which today is probably going to be a little bit of a Canada roundup, but from a 905 uh, perspective, because guess what? There's an election going on. Joel, that election. <laughs> oh, <laughs> election yeah. isn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will. Uh, I will wear wear that pie on my face. I, 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 I still can't believe that it got called. I mean, I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little speechless, and that's probably a bad thing to to be for a podcast host. But <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, like, it's something like I, I, I've been talking with anybody who who wants to talk with me about this, and I'm like, why, why are we in an election right now? You know, and, and it's just this because I, I, I myself can't figure it out. I mean, I, I've heard. I've seen online a number of liberal candidates. Um, they, they're all kind of writing from the same playbook as as you're going to see probably a lot more often during this uh, during this campaign. That's how these things work. Is everybody speaks from the same hymn book? But it's uh, you know the, the the liberal party is oh the parliament was dysfunctional and they couldn't get their agenda through and and therefore they needed to put forward a new uh, they they need to ask for a new mandate. Uh, and I, I kind of call hogwash on that because uh, I mean, look, look at their track record. They had, they got, uh, they went from scraping by with vaccines at back in January. I mean, we, we everybody was talking about how we weren't going to be vaccinated until twenty thirty, and that was the conservative talking point: is oh my god, Trudeau and the liberals have screwed up this vaccination program, and we're going to we're going to be the only first world country without vaccines. And now we're like number one in the world, and we vote pace the United States. We are on on par to being top top vaccinated. The only the only people who aren't vaccinated are the kind of anti vaxxers and the vaccine hesitant. But I mean that's a huge success story. So clearly you managed to get that to work. Um, the the Canada response benefit is still flowing out the door. Uh, you know, it, like all this stuff is is happening. Like to, the stuff that really mattered to people, you got it done. So. You know, to say, oh, well, we, we can't get the rest of it done because it's a minority. Well, tough. That's what the people of Canada gave you. You make it work. Yeah. And whose fault is it that you're trying to govern from the position of not having enough seats? Well, yeah, you didn't win enough seats. That's one part of it. But we have in our parliamentary system a history of coalitions. Uh, that's meant to be the way it works, that you can have coalitions. You can have formal agreements within parties to cooperate for four years. Um, the Prime Minister, in his wisdom, never considered the option of sitting down with one of the uh, other parties to work something out, it seemed to me. Um, it also didn't really seem to occur to um, the opposition parties, and I'm, I'm thinking, obviously, primarily of the NDP here as the most likely candidate, <clears throat> To really push for that, to say, why on earth is, is, are they not trying to, you know, if you try and govern from a position of not having enough MPs, you're always going to struggle on everything apart from confidence votes. Well, yeah, that, that was their choice, you know, to, to then say, well, we don't have enough people to, to, to govern uh, in a stable way and get our acts, get our legislation through is like, <laughs> your decision. And also your decision not to push ahead with, and I know I am the world's most boring person on this subject, not to push ahead with, with voting an electoral reform after 2015. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, every election that has been held since then, 
I cannot help but kind of do the I told you so dance of, you know, the last election right. should not have been as close as it was with, with Andrew Shear. He was a leader who, in my opinion, and I think most of the country's opinion, was in completely, completely unqualified um, to be in the position that he was in. And that's, you know, there are good, well, when I say good, there are conservative politicians who have leadership potential. I do not see Andrew Shear ever as being one of those people. He's a backbencher who got way past his level of but, qualification. Well, I, I mean, we look at the look at what's happening right now. Is like the cons- the liberals thought they had this in the bag. They were riding high in the polls. They had the COVID uh, track record in their favor, and they thought, okay, well, we'll pu- we'll pull the trigger on this election, and we'll ride it into we'll ride into a majority. And that is not what's been happening. I mean. It has been a disaster for the liberals, if we're going to be honest here, uh, since day one of this election. And I suspect I have a, a number of reasons why. And if you'll indulge me, I'll, I'll listen up. <laughs> one, uh, they, they thought that they thought that the other parties weren't prepared. They were prepared. They, they were itching. If you remember back in the springtime, they were itching for an election. They were, they were tiptoeing around the idea of bringing down the government and they chickened out. So. They were clearly, my bet is the NDP and the conservatives were ready. They had their platform ready to go. They had the funding. They just, for whatever reason, then they, they chickened out on not, uh, pulling the, the trigger on election, but they were ready. Um, this, so day one, both parties had their, their platforms out fully. We got to see it and the, the platforms aren't, the conservative platform isn't that bad. I mean, there, there's questions I have for it, but it's a, it's not a foolhardy document. The liberals don't have one, and that's that. And that kind of brings me to my my second point was, if you're going to tell the people we need to go to an election, in my mind right now, we've you and I have both been saying nobody wants an election, nobody wants to deal with it. Everybody kind of wants to breathe a bit after the hell that COVID has been, and we kind of want to now that we're all vaccinated, go out and enjoy this a bit and. Just take a break from it, and now we're we're not now we got to talk about an election. So in my mind, the only way you could justify doing that would be to pull off a recover a COVID nineteen recovery. You need to you need new legislation, big spending programs, kind of groundbreaking changes to the social fabric of Canada. That quite frankly, a responsible government would say, I I need I need consent for the people. I need a new mandate, and I need it to be clear. So I'm going to go to the people and ask for a new a new mandate. I haven't seen that. Right now, the entire election from every party, quite frankly, has been, and this is my third point, um, has been a little disappointing with just the trickles and baubles and the, you know, we're just going to spend, we're going to give you a tax credit for this and a tax credit for that. And it's like, does nobody remember this thing called COVID-19, this kind of global pandemic that we were initially, we were all terrified of having an election in the pandemic. Nobody's talking about it so far in this election. Nobody's bring, liberals are not saying, hey, we're the ones who saved you from the pandemic. The conservatives aren't talking about the enormous spending that they were afraid of uh, back in the day. Like for the fear that we were, we all had about this pandemic, nobody is talking about it. And I, I am I am perplexed because we're 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 right we're in a pandemic. We're all we're all feeling stressed out and whatnot, and nobody's talking about it. And everybody's acting like it's just a election as normal. And there are not there are really fundamental issues in terms of how this country needs to reorganize itself to get out of this 
pandemic, uh, you know, get into the recovery and into a new way of life. COVID's not going away and nobody's talking about how, what do we do about this going forward? None of the well, parties think, are. It's think, very disappointing. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the, the recent history of elections is, is very disappointing. You know, the, the, the last election that to my mind was about something was 2015 and that everybody understood that it was kind of a vote for uh, more of the same, uh, you know, whatever economic stability or whatever it is that people saw in Stephen Harper, uh, you know, and I'm trying not to bring my own biases into it. There's a vote between that and a change of direction that was personified uh, in Justin Trudeau and fine. That was an election that was about something. Since then, we've had the last election, which was... The only thing I'll say about this election so far is it's not as toxically vile as the last election was, with the exception that I don't think we had the last election people chasing around politicians and kind of, you know, calling them traitors and images of nooses and the rest of it, um, which is, you know, the kind of modern apparatus of of political discourse increasingly, it seems. But that's... Um, that's but to have an election about nothing, you know, to, to say, well, we need to have this election and then not be hitting us with something really big to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I, I think most people are completely disinterested. That's not, disinterest is not a good thing for centrist and progressive parties traditionally. Um, disinterest tends to favor uh, conservatives. Um and if it's just a matter of who can write the biggest check, which is kind of what it's shaping up to at the moment, it's like each party saying, okay, this is what we're going to buy for you. Here's the bauble that we're going to put on your Christmas tree. Um, mm-hmm. Then that doesn't particularly do a huge amount of favors for incumbents either, because it's like, well, okay, if they're all going to give me a check, I'll take the one, you know. It, it, it's what? not giving people a credible a, a kind of, Right, uh, core thing to grasp hold of that is a reason to vote for X, um, and they're all equally guilty of that. I mean, I just happen to think it also, um, you know, with nothing else to choose, you can choose that. Or why the hell are we having this election anyway? And that's your kind of enough of a reason to vote for someone else. Well, that's what's shaping up to be. I think you know, there's a definitely people are saying you pull the trigger on this. Now we have to deal with it. Nobody wanted it. Nobody wants to deal with it. And I think that's why you're seeing, like, the polls are not going in the liberals' favor. And I think it's a matter of people saying, we're not, we're going to punish you. It's, it's David Peterson all over again with, hey, I'm, I'm riding high in the polls. I'm going to go get a, a new man. I'm going to get my majority. And people are finicky. And especially during the pandemic, the, the majority of people are sitting going, you got to give us a good reason. Like, we've got, you, you've got, and this can't just be, oh, we'll give you a tax credit on you know, uh, on on whatever. And, and this goes for all parties because I haven't really seen anything that is really transformative. I, I'll, it's I'll say this much from all of them. And, and I feel yeah. that there is there is a mood for genuine policies out there now. Like, well, through the 80s and 90s, it was, very much, um, it was very much a world of how little can we get away with saying, you know, focus on personalities, mm-hmm. focus on little stuff. Focus on pocketbook kind of issues. <clears throat> Don't talk about policy because that stuff's dangerous. And I think that's the playbook we're seeing with the Liberals not not releasing their platform yet. 
It's because like more well, platforms, no one reads the platforms anyway. Release it as late as possible because that means the other parties can't pick through it, find something that they don't like, and make a stink about that for the last week, with so many weeks of the election. So that's. But I feel that there is a, and to an extent, even the the toxic nastiness is a demand for kind of better politics in a way. I know that sounds crazy, right? And I'll explain what I mean by that. No, but the people are sick. No, of yeah, the I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's crazy war. at all. I, th- I think you've got a right. I think you have to, uh, you, you got something there. I think you do. Yeah, it, it's it's, it's a desire for, for 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 something tangible to grasp onto in politics. That is, you know, and this is why I feel that. In Ontario, I mean, I think the Ontario Liberals have probably, oh, I don't think there's any probably about it. I know they, they took the decision with their leadership election to move to the right because people within the party felt that they had gone too far left with Kathleen Wynne and therefore they got booted out and, you know, disaster, disaster. My feeling is almost the exact opposite, that the votes are on the left. It's a matter of where you divide those votes between the, the, the progressive parties that are out there, between the Greens to an extent, the NDP and the Liberals, certainly. Uh, it's really, you know, the Conservative vote is, sits there and doesn't change very much beyond a percent here, a percent there. It's a static thing. Uh, the majority of votes are firmly in the progressive camp. So to to move to the right, all you're going to do is lose votes to the left because they're going, okay, these guys are abandoning me. I'm going to the NDP. Um you know, it, it, and this is the same mistake Andrea Horvath actually made in 2014 with uh, that election where Wynne went left, Horvath went right, and Wynne won the majority. Uh, it, it's we're, we're looking for policies these days. And sure, we don't agree about what those policies should be, um, but it's not a centrist world at the moment, I don't think. The, if you look at the polling numbers, and there's an interesting tidbit, is that no matter where you go across all the polling companies, you'll never see the conservatives crack 40%. They, they always remain in the low to mid 30s, roughly. And I think that's telling, and here's why. Over the years, the conservatives have bled away that centrist part of their of their following. Um, they have and I want to say I want to say conservatism, not not the necessarily the conservative party, but like conservatism over the last decade or so, uh, maybe in the last twenty years, has really bled away in my mind that kind of that moderate, sensible edge of the party. You're, every party has its radical leaning members, right? The the people who are just really out there. And you're like you're dangerous, but you know you can you can deliver votes to the polls. So I guess we'll keep you in the in the party. But usually, it's out, they're outweighed by the moderate, reasonable folks who understand the realities of the of the times. The conservatives, I think, conservatism has kind of bled away those the moderate edge, and their conservatism has kind of been left with just these radical right leaning folks. That I think that its leadership, the, the the candidates themselves, the MPs who have been elected, the majority of them don't really know how to deal with them because there's no reason they're not reasonable people per se, but they're the ones that they would now rely on to get them elected. And so that, and I think that itself is does scare people away. They, they're they're scared like they're scared that these are the people that the MPs or MPPs after they're elected, they're the ones that they. They listen to. They don't listen to the everyday folk. They're the ones that show up at the conventions that 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 show up. They scare the rest of us. 
and they scare the rest of us away. And so the rest of us are kind of drifting towards the liberals and the NDP. And I'm going to throw in the Green Party, but they're a mess right now. So maybe they're not as effective. But you're right. The rest of us are saying, well, what do the other parties have to say? And they're, you're right. They're, they're all operating from the old playbook of, you know, um, underperform, overdeliver. Or sorry, not, I get that backwards. Uh, you know, under, under, undersell overperform right mm -hmm. uh it's kind of what everybody they used to that used to be the mantra i don't think people are satisfied with that anymore especially not and again especially not with covid the those of us who got the vaccines those of us who who sheltered in place for the last two years we we get the seriousness of it and we understand you ask any small business owner like there's massive concern about how do we get this economy back up and going what what if we had, you know, the Delta variants, the talk right now, what comes after the Delta variant, the gamma variant, or, you know, like what, what else is out there? And, you know, the, the question is like, how, how do we protect ourselves? And how do we protect our economy and our livelihood and whatnot? And there doesn't seem to be an answer from any party on this. And that, and it, people are, I think that's why we're not seeing this mat, like this massive flex. So we're going to give the liberals a, the return because they deserve it. It's, no, like, what's the next step? You, you got us the vaccine. You got us through through the, the dark times. But we know there's more to come. So what's the plan to deal with it? And that's what no, that's not the, to me, is the opening that no party is willing to step up to the microphone and say, here's my plan to get us through what is what's next to come. I'm going to mention two other quick things. And then then also going to mention to everybody what we're going to be trying to do during this election. And, and uh, my initial feeling was was almost let's ignore it because I'm not sure I'm in that excited about it, let alone uh, our listeners. However, there's a lot of important stuff going on, and I feel well. First things first, we've been contacting uh, politicians from from the major parties uh, to get them on, and we're going to have interviews in the coming weeks. And you know, a, a kind of I think our promise to our listeners is that we will not be talking about. Uh, unless the front pages of the newspapers change drastically in the next few days, we won't be talking about any of the stories that are on the front pages because they're boring and they're not politics and they're not about what a government that was elected would do. So we, the objective is to speak to people from the parties and say, okay, what's actually in your platform? You know, those things that nobody actually reads. Uh, what are you promising? Why is this? Uh, sure. Why is this better than what the other guys are promising? But let's not start the conversation from the point of view of why the other guys think sucks. So that's what we we'll try to do. Uh, that's the that's the aim. Uh, we've been having fun the last few days, just doing things like finding out the telephone number of a campaign office. You wouldn't believe how hard that can be. Oh my finding god! Finding out an email address, how difficult that can be. I mean, what kind of democracy are we living in when campaigns don't advertise their bloody phone numbers? I mean, for goodness' sake, uh, I, I just don't. I, I do not phone understand numbers. that one. Just said sure. Well, uh, welcome back after a technical snafu with with um, with Burlington's excellent broadband service, which we're going to do an episode on at some point because oh my drives well, is crazy. <laughs> see now that that's a that's an election issue that no one is talking about. Is yeah. Well, the conservatives kind of dropped a bit a bit of that in their platform, but internet service, especially after the pandemic, you think the everybody doing video calls and Zoom calling from home, wherever that is, wow. We are really underserviced in this country for uh, internet usage. This should be a top priority, a top infrastructure project to spur economic development. But nope, nobody's talking about that. 
I noticed, has anybody talking about anything really? I mean, I no. housing, housing was a kind of, uh, the, there was a blip on the affordable housing meter. Uh, we've done an episode on that and we're going to ask candidates when we can get them about that. Uh, and I say, we're, well, let's just say we're hoping to have candidates from all three parties. Um, not sure we'll get them from the three major parties, but we shall see. Um, uh, well, that, that's what we were talking about before uh, the snafu was how hard it has been to find uh, the the contacts for the parties. And you know what? I'm going to say I'm going to name the, the quite frankly the liberal and the NDP candidates in the 905. Um, prior to when, just when the election was called, I went off and said I'm going to create a cheat sheet of every campaign's contact email and phone number should we need to get in touch with one for a story idea mm-hmm. and yeah the ndp and the liberals they might have their candidates listed but man their contact information is hard to find which is outrageous when you think about it and, and i from the campaigns that you and i were involved in i mean it seemed like 101 first thing we did you know you, you get your campaign office you get phone to the email in, and you want you want people to call those phone numbers because People, yeah. you know, it's not like you, you just get angry people shouting at you. You get a little bit of that. Uh, but actually, uh, any election I've been involved in, even in the really kind of, you know, the last days of the Wynn government where things were not going well, there was very little shouting involved. People just don't call at all. That's, that's how you know you're going to lose. <laughs> Uh, so I d- don't, I don't get this. This is a. It seems like I don't know if it's a new thing or it's, it's, you know, it's like I, I and think not even to have I an email address. I don't. You know? I, it, it boggles my mind that I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm nothing about this election is, uh, I'm, I'm like it, it's not turning me on. I'm not, I'm not jazzed about this at all. There's nothing about it that I'm, I'm looking and say I'm really excited. I want to see that in in action. I want to see that program enacted i'm not seeing it i don't i'm not i'm not thrilled by any of the party's platforms um that i've I've read so far i'm not thrilled by any of the leaders that i'm I'm seeing right now i find that this for the urgency to hold this election has been extremely lackluster uh and it's very disappointing i want i quite frankly i'm done with the old i think we need to take that old jean chrétien playbook of undersell over deliver throw it out the window because we just had a global fucking pandemic. We need big, bold ideas to get this country back into uh, into tip-top shape. We need a Marshall plan for the post-COVID-19 recovery. We need big, ambitious thinking. And if that means we got to work with our allies in Europe or in the States and whomever, uh, so be it. But like, let's get thinking big again in this country. Yeah. Let's be bold. Let's be visionary. Uh, and, and I think the country is ready for discussion on things like basic income. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of other ones now, but basic income is one that, that springs into my mind right away. Uh, a discussion about a serious, serious, serious reconciliation with the First Nations. Silence yes. about that. We're still digging up the bodies, and yet this election is suddenly uh, the First Nations don't seem to be an issue anymore as far as any of the parties are concerned. You know, unless something comes out soon, you know, and I will give them a chance to change direction. But when I, when I, well, all I can see when I look at what the politicians are doing is this is why the other guys suck. And I find it so boring. And, and I actually, you know, my recollection is, I mean, again, I'm talking 
about a party I volunteered for. So I was, you know, I was highly biased, sure, whatever. But one of the things that impressed me about the party that I did volunteer for when they were in government was that they refused to go negative because they felt it kind of took them as the incumbents down to the level of the opposition. So it's like, you know, the mm-hmm. old cliche, actually, Tony Blair, who I'm not a huge fan of, to say the least, used to say that, you know, it's the job of the opposition to look like a government in waiting and not like a pressure group. Now, we've got three parties all pretending to be a pressure group right now and not looking like a party in waiting, even the one that actually, uh, government in waiting, sorry, even the one that actually is a government. Um, and it's it's just hugely, you know, there should be that look of gravitas that makes you look at the leader or whoever and think, yeah, I can envision mm-hmm. that person being prime minister. Um, uh, uh, you know, they are working on a level that invites some kind of respect, even if I don't love everything about them or whatever. Uh, and it's just not coming through yet. Um, yeah. And, and again, so, so sure, if, say, for instance, picking at random, the liberals <laughs> brought out a policy on basic income and were bold about it and said, we're going to have a, a, a national basic income strategy. Uh, you're going to lose a, lose a bunch of votes in certain parts of the country, but you're going to win a bunch of votes in certain other parts. And, uh, you know, we've talked long before about how basically elections have been won and lost in the 905 in the last um, five, 10 years, quite often. You know, you're not going to pick up... Mm. Let's face it, Alberta is already a lost cause. Again, because of our electoral system, there are actually plenty of progressive voters in Alberta. They just don't, they don't count because of the way the vote is structured out there. Um, but so who cares about the fact Alberta would hate the idea of a basic income when you're picking out votes in Quebec or you're picking out votes in the 905 region, which you would. Um, no, it, it, it's showing that you've, got the ideas and the, and the intellectual capacity to actually have a bit of a vision is is really important stop, stop treating us like children like we can't we can't handle this stuff it's kind of what it comes down to to me is like why why, why are we being spoon-fed stuff that is you know we're kind of like saying eh, you know that's nice it's it's nice to have but i want a vision i don't want like the, the social housing issue that we talked about uh, this week with Mike Moffat, and it's an it's an important one that we do need to talk about. But as we covered in that, we can't just focus. Like the federal government itself is not going to solve it. We need a kind of a coherent, cohesive province has to be be brought in and have a co- a plan to solve this. And it does need to be solved because it's it's a huge issue. But the other thing that we, like we've talked about is how interconnected all this stuff is, like funding for transit and infrastructure the the fact that we have shoddy internet services in this country it's not it's not so much a, a kind of acute folksy oh you know that's canada for you like this is actually going to hamper our economic advantage uh in the next decade if we can't get this stuff sorted out if we can't figure out the fact that people now want to work from home but they also don't want their internet to crap out because oh Kojiko or Rogers or Bell or whomever didn't decide to upgrade their lines. Uh, and this is definitely going to be something that, like, it's, it's something that we, like, this is the stuff that we need to start talking about in this country. This is a 21st century issue that, quite frankly, like, we're, we're dealing with yesterday's problems with this stuff. In a lot of cases, I find with the, the election, we're not looking forward. We're still trying to figure out how to solve 
the problem the problem that we were going to solve ten years ago. Well, and I think you know I, I've noticed. Yeah, I'm talking about the liberals a lot because they're the incumbent, not because uh, we have any bias in any particular direction. I mean, I think everybody knows we're progressive, progressively minded. But apart from that, um, it's all up for grabs, and we'll be as tough to every party. Uh, and actually. I'll also say that the one party we spoke to actually did have a telephone number and got back to us very quickly was a conservative party. Um, there may be other problems that mean we don't end up speaking to them, but that's for another day. Um, if, if by some chance someone in the conservative party headquarters hears this and has a change of heart, by all means, get in touch with us. Info at 905.ca. We would love to talk to you guys. Yeah. And really, honestly, we would. And the ability to, to talk to you would, would, engender so much respect that it would probably be in your some kind of interest <laughs> because you know running and hiding doesn't um and to an extent we, we've kind of said that all three parties are a little bit guilty of that now we're going to have candidates on um it just sometimes seems a little bit harder than it should have been anyway um but you know what we were talking about is well with the liberals that they <laughs> They are. They're dragging themselves down to the level of the opposition by 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 just going negative against. It. Basically, trying to you know, if if every election the the, the liberals, because it tends to be them at the moment, um, go out and basically say, "Hey, look at the Tories, aren't they scary?" And I understand the temptation of that. Believe me, um, and it's been a successful route for them. But I think at elections like this one, particularly when you're the ones who kind of put us into this mess in the first place, anyway. You've got to have more than that. You can't just go, hey, look at the Tories, they're scary. Um, mm-hmm. Because, and, you know, God knows Andrew Shear scared the bejesus out of me. Erin um, uh, O'Toole is not quite the same kind of person. Um, I don't know. I would still say that that party scares the bejesus out of me. Um, but Erin I mean, O'Toole strikes me as a very, as a very reasonable, decent person. He doesn't, he himself doesn't, I don't have any. I don't look at him. I get the heebie-jeebies. Uh, but I do question that. You're right. His party. I get. Uh, there, there are a number of members in that party that I, I look at and say, I, you know, do, do or is does Aaron does Aaron have the the gumption to kind of step up to you and say, nope, you're not you're not getting your way today. You're you're. Yeah, and, I, I, I don't know. And that's, I mean, and the other I, thing I don't understand is is. Where are the liberals talking about track record? Because there are things they could point to. And actually, COVID is is probably the biggest one. And they could point to, hey, look, look what a mess the province has made of this. We didn't. We did what we could do. Um, uh, we've talked about that frequently. We've had people on who completely unprompted, you know, we weren't looking for any particular point of view on this. People who are not traditionally associated with politics, not necessarily liberal or progressive, who said, thank God for the government during COVID. Yeah, more than one person, like two or three people, said that. Um, this, this, and they're not election has that. just been a. That's what I don't understand is like, why not? If you're going to call an election, why not run the fact that you say, "Hey, we saved you from COVID." Like that, that's your campaign right there, right? We saved you from COVID. These guys would have had you, you know, begging for for handouts because they didn't they didn't want a a debt, which, by the way, seems to have gone completely out the window. Uh, in terms of the conservative plan, like the, I don't understand this. The, they're they're saying they're saying they're, they're all about fiscal responsibility, and it's kind of gone out the window with this uh, this campaign. I, I think 
Um, I think I, all three I, parties are recover. trying to write the biggest check to an extent. And uh, I, I think, you know, we, we should be drawing this to a close soon probably, but I, I find it bizarre that, well, let's put it this way. I don't think that being the party that points at the Conservatives and says, be afraid, be afraid, is enough at this election. You can say that, yeah. but you've got to have a lot more in your back pocket as well. And it better not just be a checkbook. Yeah. It's got to be some bloody ideas. And that's what's lacking and was lacking in the last election too. And for uh, a government that hasn't been around that long, it had one full term and two, no, one full term and a half term. That's it. To be kind of running with, with, a, with no real ideas that really stand out to me. Now, this is going to be tough to hear for people that I volunteer with. I'm sorry if any of you are listening. But it's kind of the truth. And, and all I'm worth saying is I'm saying this to the 2 and saying it to the Conservatives as well and, and certainly the Greens. It's like, come up with better. Do better than this. We think you should be doing better and we think it would really be in your interest, all of you, to do better than this and to actually start talking about policies and not this, you know, finger-pointing nonsense that just dominates everything now. Well, let's leave it at that for uh, this week. There's going to be plenty more to talk about in the days and weeks ahead. Um, stay tuned to, and make sure that you like and subscribe to uh, to the 905er because we're going to be just focusing on, it looks like this federal election for the next, uh, next couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favourite podcast app.